Hi everyone, my name is Byrne. My privilege to preach tonight. Let me say two things uh, before I lead us in prayer. Uh, the one, uh, one thing I want to say is that um, I have a bit of a cough. I've been unwell this past week, and so I do apologize, and I hope it's not distracting if I do start coughing while I'm preaching. Uh, the other thing I want to say is, almost always I say, now keep your Bibles open because we want to really follow along. Uh, this time I'm going to be jumping all over Scripture, and I'm only going to really look at this one passage we had read at the beginning. But don't feel like you've got to keep jumping with me. There'll be a lot of jumping. Just, it's okay to just look at the screen, and, and, and have, I'll have most of it up there for us. So that should make things a bit easier for us as well. So let's pray. Father, we know that there is a deceiver, a liar, an evil one out there who speaks nothing but non-truth. We know that you give us your truth in your word. So help us please in your strength, by the strength of your spirit, to listen to your truth tonight, to take it on board, and to submit to you, and to humbly sit before what you have to teach us. And change us by this, we ask, and make us stronger. Make us more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, if you look around, you will see that the devil, or Satan, goes by a number of names, uh, you will see that the devil is all over the place in our popular culture. Uh, have a look at some examples that I'll put on the screen here for us. Uh, these are all the devil, or devil-inspired, or somehow um, the, in an image of him captured there. Uh, we have it, of course, in uh, comic books, popular movies, uh, lots of movies out there. Um, also, to um, in music, you see Angus Young there with his little uh, devil horns on, um, again capturing just an idea: the devil's out there in the world. Um, if you're a fan of the of uh, the Far Side, you'll find comic strips, and you get some of the, the the interesting ones that he's done with Hell and the Devil, and uh, that's a good one. I don't know if you can read the caption, but that's a good one. Um, TV comedy: Who knows this classic, famous scene? Okay, this is Evil Homer. Okay. Of course, there's also a concept out, out there in our world of the sexy devil. And then last but not least, the famous good old crossroads, you know, where you go and sell your soul to the devil in exchange to have some amazing great ability, such as to be a fantastic guitar player or something uh, like that. Uh, we don't have to look very far, do we? to find images, to find a picture of the devil that is out there in our world. Uh, There's a general idea of him out there. Uh, people know about him. People are interested in him. Sometimes people are even fascinated by him. But with this thinking, there comes a lot of questions too. So it's no wonder then that when we sat down uh, a couple of months ago to put together and sort through our Ask Anything questions... Uh, the questions that you as a congregation that submitted to us um, or, or came in from friends or the community, uh, there were a whole bunch of them dealing with the supernatural, with the devil, things like that, things that came together under the title that you see on the screen there. Did the devil make me do it? So let me ask you, how do you understand the devil? How much influence do you believe that he has on your life? And is he responsible for the things that we do? Especially if I can say it this way, that the bad deeds uh, that we do. 
What do you think? Did the devil make me do it? Well, before I start answering, I want to say that if you take the, the idea of the devil and all things related to him, you know, the supernatural realm, dark forces, all that kind of stuff, it's actually quite a big topic. Uh, too much for one sermon. So tonight I'm mostly just going to focus in on the devil himself and focus in on our question at hand. We just got to stay there for the sake of time. Uh, but I do want to say, though, you might have further questions that I don't answer. Um, I'd be very surprised if people didn't. Um, already today, people have come with questions or things like demons and stuff like that. Look, come and see me. Uh, send me an email. Grab me after the service. We can make a time and chat about these things. I'd love to do that with you. Okay, and the other thing I want to say is that I realize that Epping Presbyterian, and I do thank God for this, this is great, uh, I realize that our church is a place uh, where people of many different backgrounds, many, many different countries of origin um, have come together. Again, that's fantastic. Uh, but the reality is different parts of the world uh, seem to have different experiences with the dark spiritual realm. In some places, it's really in your face, and it's a lot more overt than we see here in Australia. So I want to say that if I say something tonight that doesn't quite fit with something you've seen or experienced, please know that I'm trying to simply look at basic biblical principles for us that really should apply anywhere. Um, but if I am focusing in on a culture, it's, it's Australian Western culture, of course. Um, so again, maybe you've been exposed to things, you want to talk about it some more. I would love to make time for you. Just let me know, please. But on to our question. Did the devil make me do it? Well, the first thing that we need to think about is the reality of the devil. Is he actually a real being? I mean, we can't really go any further without looking at that, can we? I wonder what you think. Is he real? Well, whatever you currently think, whatever you answered in your mind as I asked that, you're going to have a lot of people agree with you. You know why? Because people are very divided on this. Uh, that big interest in the devil that's out there in our world, that doesn't always mean belief, though. And you know, it's actually the same in the church. Uh, current statistics say that only about half of Australian Christians, or at least uh, people in the churches have filled out these surveys, uh, only half of them believe that the devil is actively at work in our world today. And 42% believe that he is just not a real being at all. Uh, for them, he is uh, just some sort of symbol of evil in our world. And so somehow... The devil, he's all over our culture. If we look, he's there in many, many places. And yet half of people, just including the church, half of people just don't believe that he's actually real and active. Well, I need to tell you today that the Bible only ever talks about the devil as real. Never as just a symbol. Always as a real being. Look with me, please, at the first part of the reading that you heard a few minutes ago in Matthew chapter 4, Temptation of Jesus. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If 
you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Here we have both the Son of God and the Holy Spirit dealing with the devil in a very real way. Now, the first thing Jesus did as his earthly ministry was getting off the ground was to square off against Satan. So either we believe that Jesus was talking to himself or we have an actual being here. Because, see, if we look at that passage, here's what's happening. The devil is described as coming to Jesus, uh, having a conversation with him, uh, losing that battle, and then leaving him. But that's the way it is all across the Bible. If you take out a pew Bible right now and you crack open to page 3, right at the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, not only does the devil speak to Adam and Eve... But if you keep reading, God speaks directly to and addresses the devil. And then all throughout the rest of the scripture, that's the pattern. He's spoken of in a personal way. If we move through to the story of Job, to the Gospels, to the writings of the apostles and the letters, uh, on the way right to the very end at Revelation. My answer is that the half of the church that believes that Satan isn't actually real is sadly deceived by him. And they've fallen for one of his greatest lies. In a, in a little book that I recommend to you for further reading, no, we didn't title this sermon after this book. Um, in this little book that we recommend, author puts it like this. Perhaps Satan's greatest trick is getting billions of people to forget that he exists. What a tactic. And it's working. So let's be clear. We're talking about a real being here, okay? Not a myth, not an idea, not a concept of evil, not a symbol, talking about a real being. But does this real being make us do things? Let's look at the works of the devil then in the Bible. I mean, if we skim across scripture, what kind of, what kind of things is he up to in general? What I'm going to do is I'm going to pick a handful of examples, about four or five of them. I'll put them on the screen to help us along, and as we take these different passages, we'll put together a bit of a picture. Uh, and the first one I want us to see is 1 Thessalonians 3.5. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to a church that he's concerned about. And he says, for this reason, <coughs> when I could stand it no longer... I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. As we've seen, the devil tempts people. That's what he does. Uh, We saw that with Jesus in the desert. And here, as we move into the the letters of the New Testament, we see it in the the early church. We see it among believers in general. The devil, see, he tries to lure us towards things that our heart finds attractive. Uh, he tempts us away from God. That's what he's up to. He, he tempts. is one of the main things in his activities. Let's move to a story in the Old Testament. Think about Job for a moment. Uh, if you don't know the story of Job, uh, Job was a man. He did right in God's eyes, but the devil accused him. That's another thing the devil does. He's an accuser. Uh, The devil accused him of only being righteous because God is good to him. So we read in Job 1.12. 
The Lord said to Satan, uh, very well then, everything he, that's Job, everything Job has is in your hands, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. The devil has given here in this, in this story permission to do things to Job. Uh, you know, we're only reading one verse here, but if you read the water story, we see that he takes away Job's family, takes away his riches, really robs him of, of just about everything, and then later he, he takes away Job's health. And so we see here that the devil can afflict people. He can work in the material world and manipulate things to affect us in very real ways. Now let's look at 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. I hear that the God of this age, that's a way of speaking about the devil. Now, that doesn't mean that he's literally a God. I mean, he's not equal to God. Okay? He's just a created being, the way we are. But he's a God in the sense that he has a big influence on a world that doesn't know God personally. Uh, he's involved with people just not being able to see Jesus for who he is as Lord and Savior. He blinds people. He darkens them. He, they can't see the truth and they can't accept the gospel of Christ. Or how about this one? Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Again, Paul is writing, and he says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. So the devil, we see here, he can use our sin. Uh, he can use our sin for leverage to cause problems. Uh, he'll tempt us. He'll use a temptation to incite us to deeper and deeper sin. And then doing that to drive us further from God, um, affecting our relationships, affecting our godliness. And then finally, one more verse, John eight forty four. Uh, this is Jesus speaking to people who are opposing his ministry. And he says to them, and these are very strong words, he says, well, you belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Here we see that the devil lies. And you know, that's been his main tactic all along, right from the beginning, in the Garden of Eden. He asks just the right questions. Do you notice when you read it? Uh, he tempts Adam and Eve. He twists the truth. That's what he loves to do, just to twist it enough to make it work for himself. And ever since then, that's what he's been doing. He's been saying to humankind, you know, you'd be all right without God. You just don't need him. You don't need God or his ways. Well, you were made to please yourself. Not to honor God. And in all of this, he's saying, you know, we can fill in the blanks here, you know, that thing, that dream, that person, whatever it is, he says, this thing that you're longing for, he or she, you know, they're going to meet all of your needs perfectly. Going to fill every bit of emptiness in you. That's what you really want. But, friends, that's a lie. 
Only God can feel that. The devil is a liar at his core. There is no truth in him, as Jesus himself says. And you know, friends, if we stop and linger on this one point for a moment, <coughs> this is one of the ways that we can be on guard against the devil. Just stand back for a moment if you can. Listen to the voices that are shaping your life. Is what's being said in your mind and in your heart actually true? You know, are, do you find that there's questions about God, questions about life? When we stand back and look at them, they just don't measure up to what we read in the Bible. Just don't fit alongside it. See, the devil will probe you. He will prod. He'll ask questions. He'll put seeds of ideas in and He'll even partially answer them. He'll do just enough to lead you to having less clarity about God and about yourself. He'll just twist it and he'll ask, well, do you really believe Come on, do you really believe that God loves you? That, that God loves people in that way? Come on, you, you mean you think you can be forgiven for that? Nobody's forgiven for that kind of thing. I mean, you're, you're beyond him. Well, you're wasting your time. He'll do all these things leading us to doubt. And he'll take Christians and he'll get them thinking and wondering and questioning their own value, uh, leading them to think, well, I'm a useless Christian. I've got nothing to offer. I mean, I, I stumble over and over again. I just sinned again. I gave into the temptation once again, leaving us with that niggling feeling. Ever have that niggling feeling? Well, I'm just nothing. Can't get this Christian stuff right. That's the work of the devil. He's lying to us. That's not what the Bible says about our reality. The gospel says that, G that God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. We've been bought at the highest price of the blood of Christ, the Son of God. The devil wants to destroy us. Friends, be on your guard. Because he is a liar. And so as we take these works of the devil, this general picture in Scripture, we put it together, what do we see? Uh, well, the devil, he's a created being who distorts the truth to lure people away from God. He can influence and hurt and afflict, and he gets in the way. He loves to get in the way of the gospel of Jesus. And he plays to the sins that we struggle with, uh, the, the temptations that are there. He tempts us towards pleasing ourselves instead of living for God. His aim is to basically disrupt as much as he can of God's work and God's glory. That's what he wants to do. <coughs> but did you notice what I didn't say? Something that I left out in that description, something I, was, I didn't mean, which is not there in the description of the work of the devil. He doesn't make anyone actually do anything, though. And mostly what we're seeing in Scripture is him working with God's creation to manipulate things. He can speak into our lives, he can cause a lot of destruction. But we don't really see a picture of him in the Bible as just taking over and forcing something. Now, I better know what some of you are thinking, because this is a natural question at this point. Well, 
What about demon possessions, you know, and stuff like that? I mean, that's in the Bible. Yes, it is, but this is one of those times where we need to ask if we're listening to the Bible or Hollywood. Because, see, many of us read these descriptions in Scripture. We go through the, the gospel stories. We see these scenes where, yes, Jesus and the apostles are driving out demons. But actually, often there's not a whole lot of information. And we take, we take a little story and we fill in the picture by running to the, the movies that have shaped well, how we think. As so we run to the exorcist or something like that. And we paint in this picture that's actually not quite there in Scripture. Because if we actually just strip it back to what we read, the very words in the Bible, uh, mostly what we're seeing is the demons doing the same thing as the devil does. You know, attacking and hurting, influencing, yes, even entering into people, but rarely do we see a whole being takeover. There's only, only a couple of times in all of the Bible where it seems like something stronger is happening, and even then we're not given a whole lot of detail. Almost always in Scripture, see the dark forces they manipulate, and sometimes very strongly. And as we look at our own lives, I bet some of you, especially from other cultures, have seen some very scary things. But you know what? In these situations, they don't completely, fully absorb a person so that nothing of that person is left. That's just not there in the Bible. So we've seen the reality of the devil. Uh, we've seen this general picture of the things that, that, that the devil does. And now we need to look at it a different way. We need to stand back from this. We need to take in the big picture. Because we need that to help us answer the question. We need to take a wider lens. And we need to look at the relationship between God, the devil, and us. And again, that's another area where Hollywood has distorted things. In so many movies and TV shows that have come out over the past couple of decades, and there's so many with, with a supernatural theme, uh, in these uh, movies, these films, there's this, often there's a spiritual battle raging. You've got this good versus evil. You know, and often you've got the God and his angels on one side, and you've got the devil and his demons on another. And the basic storyline, now there's variations on it, but usually you can reduce it to this. You have a good God, and then we have a bad God on the other side. And we wonder who is going to ultimately win the supernatural battle that will shape the fate of the universe, because both sides are equal and we don't know how it's going to turn out. But nothing could be further from the truth when we open God's word. Because in the Bible, there is no question at all. The question is not there about who is stronger and who will ultimately win. I like how Colossians 2.15 puts it. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, that's a way of talking about the dark realm, spiritual realm. He, that's Jesus, made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. When Jesus died and rose again, he defeated sin, he defeated death, he defeated the devil. It's like he put this flashing neon sign over the devil's head that says, loser. The devil cannot ultimately win because he is not strong enough to undo what God has done. Plus remember, as I said before, the devil is only a created being anyway. He has never held the same status as God. 
Listen to Colossians 1.16, again speaking about Jesus. And it says, For by him, by Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, see that language again, all things were created by him and for him. God created the devil or the being that would be the devil, has full power over him. He knows the devil's beginning. And you know what? He knows his end. Revelation 20.10. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So the devil's very dangerous, yes. But at the same time, less powerful than we often think. He fights with God, he fights with us, and he does that as one who has already lost and whose time is short. But what about the devil and us on that big scale, you know, looking with that wider lens? Well, the Bible tells us that there was a time when we followed the ways of the devil. But now, those who follow Jesus are a new creation, having a new heart that can resist Satan and live for Christ. And Ephesians 2 just puts it very, very well. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And that's the way of talking about the devil. But, now look at the description of the believer the person made new in Christ, that is just a couple of verses later. And Paul goes on to say there, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. If you're sitting here tonight, you are a follower of Jesus, he has made you totally new. That's what he has done. He has given you a new heart. He has rescued you from the clutches of the evil one. Because see, your hope against the devil, it doesn't ultimately rest on your own efforts and what you can do. But it's resting on the powerful and finished work of Christ. On his victory. We're victorious because he was victorious first. And the one who has died for us, he is powerfully at work in this world. He is powerfully at work in his church and in our lives. He is making us like him, and the devil is not more powerful. It is as simple as that. So friends, what have we seen? Okay, the devil's real. He's at work in this world as an enemy of God, as an enemy of God's people. He's wreaking as much havoc as he possibly can. But mainly we see him manipulate and and lie and distort and afflict because there are limits on what he can do. And so he wages these mini battles because he lost the ultimate war through the cross of Christ. He's fully defeated. But you know, there's one final piece for us to answer our question. Uh, We spent most of our time thinking about if the devil even has the power to make us do anything. And we've seen that he is dangerous, yes, but he's also an overstated foe in some ways. 
But there's still a deeper underlying question that we must answer before we can finish tonight. Is there any way that I cannot be responsible for my own sin? Because that's the question behind the question, isn't it? Can I ever say, well, it wasn't me? Don't look at me. It wasn't me. It was the devil. The devil made me do it. Blame him. Is there ever a situation where we can say that? Well, again, the Bible tells us the truth. James 1, 13 to 15 is probably the best passage for this. It says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. This is the bit that's on the screen for us. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. And so tying that in with what we've seen about the devil, all he can do is tap into the desires that are already in our hearts. That's how temptation works. We can never say that the devil made me do it. If we want to blame him, all we can say is, well, he led us towards what we really want. That's what he did. The Bible never says anywhere that there's a situation where we won't be responsible for our own sin. We will be accountable to God for all of our actions. So, friends, whatever you do, please don't try to blame the devil. He's a pain, he, he's a, a tempter, he's an accuser, but he never makes us do anything. It's far better, far, far better for us to be real and honest about our own sin and run to the grace and mercy and forgiveness of God. Don't blame the devil. Don't even wonder if he can make you do it. But, as it says in James 4, 7, and this is the right response, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. And these are good words to end on. Because, see, rather than focusing only on the devil, what we really need to do is run to God. Uh, while the Bible is very clear uh, about the devil in the dark world, when we stand back, it doesn't actually give him much airtime. When we, you know, we look at the widest uh, part of how much things are taken up in Scripture, when we look at the Bible as a whole, uh, we're told just enough to know that while he is prowling around like a roaring lion... In light of the cross of Jesus, he is a toothless tiger, never having ultimate power over people in Christ. And so, friends, no, the devil didn't make me do it. Pray with me, please. Father, strengthen us, please, by the truth that we've heard in your Bible tonight. Lord, help us uh, to see that the devil is a liar and protect us from his untruths. Uh, strengthen us, Lord, at the core of our being to see through his deceptions. And Lord, help us to run to you as our main tactic, our main defense against him. Lord, I pray for anyone here tonight who, have, who has maybe greatly struggled in this area. 
and maybe even has, has experienced and, and witnessed uh, things of the dark forces that are so hard to explain. But Lord, we ask that the devil won't use these things to twist us into a fear of him. Help us to see him for who he really is, a created being who has been ultimately defeated by the cross. So help us to see him for who he is, as, as someone who's dangerous, but someone not more victorious than Jesus Christ. Strengthen us by your truth. Give us a real picture of the devil, please, especially in light of a world that loves to have its own imaginations of him. And build us up in Christ as a church so that we can resist him in every way. And we pray this in Jesus' great and victorious and strong name. Amen.